Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, and you can find this show on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So that being said, we're going to jump right into the episode today, guys. I have Guillermo from Chicago, Illinois, El Tri Chalada. How are you doing today? I hope I got that right. You know, I'm working on my Spanish big time actually on an <laughs> app called Drops. And so, uh, no. yeah, I'm working on refining my uh, Spanish and uh, Italian. And funny thing is I did major in Spanish in um, in college. So there's that whole thing going. But, um, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, language is not my, my specialty, but I'm trying. So Guillermo, tell us yes. about your, your product. Tell us about... Actually, let's go back to the beginning. Tell us about your story. How'd you end up being becoming a food entrepreneur? How'd you end up, you know, doing this product? So I'm going to give you the mic. It's all yours. Take as much time as you want, and I'll ask you questions as I have them for sure. Perfect. Um, so yeah, so thank you for having me. Um, so my journey actually started back in like 2014. Um, I actually had been wanting to start a restaurant. So um, a, a high school friend of mine and I decided to partner up and open a Mexican, uh, a Mexican restaurant in our hometown. Um, so like, you know, like you had mentioned, I'm from the Chicago area, a small suburb outside of Chicago. Um, so we opened up a restaurant and it was supposed to be like a, a Mexican infused style restaurant. Um, it did very well in the beginning and as with restaurants you know you constantly have to try to you know better the the menu um and the town that i grew up in was more of a conservative smaller town so they didn't take the infusion part of it as much as we had hoped that they would so with that being said we decided to pivot a little bit and switch the menu from a Mexican restaurant to more of just like your burgers and fries, a typical um, just regular restaurant um, that would be uh, we felt would appeal more to the town um, with that with that actually. Um, so I was I had the restaurant with my friend and I also still had a full time job. So at the time, my full time job was moving corporate offices so it was actually further away um so my drive to and from work was actually going to double so now instead of being like an hour drive it was going to be almost a two-hour drive to and from so now you're looking four hours um so at that point i couldn't maintain both so i sold my my share of the restaurant to my business partner to my friend um, <clears throat> what I found after that, though, was with with the Mexican restaurant, um, I had always uh, one of our most popular items were michelada mix, which is essentially what I always like to say. It's a Mexican Bloody Mary. So it's a Bloody Mary for beer. Um, I was a big fan of them. Um, and that was a big seller for us. And once I left, it was my recipe that I created at the restaurant. So when I left, I took that recipe with me. And what I started seeing was people were, were calling me, friends were reaching out to me, saying, hey, can you, um, 
you know, you, you know, your your friend's new restaurant, the micheladas aren't tasting the same. Are you willing to sell your recipe or would you, you know, anything, stuff like that? And I, I wouldn't sell the recipe, but I was more than happy to make a bottle for, you know, some people here, there. I actually had some restaurants reach out to me asking me if I would give them or sell them the recipe. And with all these things kind of going on in the background, I was kind of like, hmm, I'm like, this could actually be a good idea to, to, to venture off in and see if I could make this work. So I actually finished getting my master's degree after I left the restaurant part of it. And then once I finished my master's degree, then it was like, okay, now let me pick up this michelada side business and see if I can make this grow and see if I can make this work because the popularity was there at least locally. And then what I had noticed is in Chicago itself, um, there were a few different brands that were starting to come up. And so I was like, okay, well, this is great because it's popular on out on the West coast and like the Southwest area. So Arizona, California, Texas, it, micheladas are huge. It just hasn't reached out to the Chicagoland area as much as it has over there. So I figured this is a good time to start and kind of work my way into it and see kind of see what we can do. I love this. <clears throat> so let's talk about what it is exactly. Um, what is it? How did it come about? Like, um, you know, you talked about it's like almost like a beer Bloody Mary, but let's really break this down for the audience so they can visualize it. Um, for me, like, where did it come from? Like, how long has it been around? Like, obviously, it probably came out of Mexico, but help me understand it because I know, like, for lack of a better term, I understand Mexican candy and the flavor profile difference and and things like that. So, does it resonate more in in, in that space? So. And talk to me about, is the spice used outside of alcohol also? I, I mean, I don't know. So just help oh, yeah. enlighten me a little bit here on this. Um, because sure. for some reason, I'm very unfamiliar with this. Well, I don't drink alcohol. That's probably part of it. Not in a long time <laughs> anyway. And so, <clears throat> you know, just help help me understand this. Because I really want to visualize it and, and give the audience, you know, pun intended, a taste for it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so yes, you are correct. <clears throat> it originated in Mexico, and actually, the name, the name that that we went with, el tri, actually means three, and it signifies the three colors of the Mexican flag, which is the the red, white, and green. So for me, I felt like okay, if I'm gonna try to popularize a Mexican created drink let's, you know, let's try to bring something that's, you know, part of the Mexican culture. And so there are actually like um, the Mexican national soccer team, their, their team nickname is El Tri. So that's kind of how I got the inspiration from that. There's a really popular um, rock uh, band out of Mexico called El Tri. So kind of paying homage to, ev to everything Mexico, Mexican, the, the colors, um, the heritage, the history. Um, but yeah, so anyways, it, it's actually the original recipe is very, very simple in the sense of it was literally um, uh, a, a beer with some lime. Um, people would put 
some sort of like tomato juice or more like a clamato juice um, in it just to kind of help soften the taste and, and sweeten the taste of a beer. Um, and honestly, like it was usually started off as like a hangover cure. Think of a Bloody Mary. Um, but so the, the, but you have those spices in it, right? So you have like, um, which is like that tahin, that that limey, that lime and and spice mixed together, and then people would rim the glass with either tahin or salt, like margarita salt, stuff like that. But that's really what it was. It was just to kind of give the beer some flavor, some sweetness to it, so it's not so bitter um, when people are trying to recover from a hangover. Um, from that though, it has grown big time in the sense of think again, I always compare it to bloody Mary cause it's really, it's what it is a bloody Mary, but instead of vodka, it's beer. Um, and you can decorate it. There are, there are so like people in Mexico have gone like to the extreme of like, you know, putting burgers. Uh, I mean, again, just like a, just like a bloody Mary, how they, they load up the bloody Mary's, um, so that's kind of how you would envision it. Um, but again, too, with, with, the, with the times, it has grown. And now it's even used as, like, with non-alcoholic drinks. So the way, like, going back to the restaurant days when I was making the Michelada mix, people were drinking it straight. Like, people would put it with a, just, like, with some ice and just drink it. Because it had such that, like, that the sweet lime limey taste to it along with the spice along with whatever else the 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 spices that were in it um so people were drinking it straight so then we're like well let's try to figure out what else can we do with this right and my wife actually was she doesn't drink beer um so we we tried it with seltzer water like the um what we call like topo chico which is the mineral water, Mexican mineral water. I love that stuff, but go on, yeah. actually. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so so my wife loves Topo Chico, and so she's like, well, let's try it with this. And so we did, and boom, it, it tastes great with uh, Topo Chico. So we started messing around with different, like, different types of seltzers and works great with that. So, again, now now we are like, okay, well, cool, this works with, non-alcoholic things which is what we want because to your point to a lot of people's point and even to my own point like the i don't drink as much as i used to but i still enjoy a good michelada so it's like okay well what can i do um so now you know you can definitely have this with with that mineral water with seltzer water um and then we have multiple flavors so you can kind of get a, a good taste of different flavors yeah talk to me about this a little bit like how like once you decided to go to market let's say how did you figure out how to start bottling how did you figure out how to start putting this together how did you start taking this to market i know there's uh. a lot of questions <laughs> in there and i figured oh, yeah. like i'm going to get into the master's degree question cuz i'm i'm assuming it's in business but maybe i'm wrong um but maybe it has nothing <laughs> to do with uh, what we're talking about here and um yes yeah, yes and no <laughs> yes and no okay yeah. so um Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, you you know, what is your master's degree in? And then we'll go back to the other question, which is marketing, bottling, advertising, taking it to market it 
and you know building a brand so what did you get your master's degree in so actually so i went to so when i when i decided i was going to go back to school and get my master's degree i was like i want to do something where it's enjoyable to me like so um i'm a big sports fan huge sports fan um like you know i'm from chicago i'm a I'm a diehard Chicago Cubs fan. I was a season ticket holder. I was a season ticket holder when they won the World Series back in 2016. So I'm a huge Cubs fan. But on top of that, I'm just a huge fan of sports in general. So I decided, I was like, you know what? If I'm going to go get my master's, I want to do it in something where I'm intrigued by it, right? So I'm not a fan of school per se, but if there's something that intrigues me, I'll follow through with it. So Northwestern University actually offered a master's program in sports administration and analytics. And so my day job, I'm, a, I'm an analyst. Um, so it fit right into what I was trying to figure out, which was, all right, how do I make this fun for myself? So what they did was the, course, the courses were sports driven. So when you're learning about your master's program and all the different functions, math and and law and all those things, it's all based on current or past sports um, information. So like we were GMs of a team. How would we, you know, they would walk us through how a contracts would work, um, like the, the terms of contracts, they would walk us through operational costs like how much you know how much money does a team actually make for the operating costs how much you know employees and things like that so instead of the normal traditional um analytics of of just regular business world they use sports analogies so that's kind of how i took that and that's how i work with it and that's how i got my masters this is really cool and i know where i have that question hanging out there are, is your like you're obviously your name, your background, you're you're Mexican, I believe. Like, are your parent? Did your parents come in? Great grandparents? Talk to me a little bit about how you ended up in Chicago. Oh sure, uh, that's we could do a whole whole other episode on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always so I do per- part twos, part threes. No worries, man. Yeah, um, I am actually first generation um, Mexican American. So I was born here in the Chicagoland area. My dad actually came over here back in 73. Um, and he came over illegally. Um, he's, he's legal now, went through the whole process. Everything's good now. But yeah, no, he came over illegally um, and worked his way from Mexico to California into Chicago, Um and then my mom, so I'm Mexican and Salvadoranian. So my mom is from El Salvador. So she came legally <laughs> uh, from El Salvador into the United States. And then she ended up making it up to Chicago because she had family in the area. Same with my dad. My dad made it to Chicago uh, because of family. And then they ended up meeting at a factory and then um, got married from there. And you're the result. So, and I'm the result. <laughs> yeah. I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest of four. Very cool, man. I so, and 
I love this, and we're definitely going to probably, I'm going to definitely do a part two with you already, I can already tell, so we'll probably dive more into that story at some point, because I do want to tell it, I think the the American dream is important, whether it's the, you know, Salvadorian American dream or Mexican American dream, those dreams, both of those are important, and they, they literally, the catalyst of it is an entrepreneur building the American dream in the United States for your future family, and um I think that that's really cool and you have these tools, but you also are respecting your heritage and the product that you're building. So that story alone, I feel like your parents' story to get to where you are, you're able to go get a master's degree out of all of this and build, start building a food entrepreneurial business um, that represents your heritage is incredible. Um, so I just want to anchor that for the audience, Guillermo. I think that that's really, really cool. Um, thank you. So let's, and like I said, there's, there's, there's way more to the stories. <laughs> yeah. We're going to dive way into more. it. We're going to dive oh, into yeah. it for sure. And, um, and I think already I, geez, I already feel like I've known you for like 20 years for some reason. And so <laughs> I feel like I'm going to definitely be in contact with you and, um, getting you on the show again. Cool. But let's talk about, um, how, like, you know, where, where'd you come up with the recipe in the first place to even bring into your restaurant? Like where, where did that come from? And I know I have these questions hanging out there. I'll get to those later. Cause now my line of questions is sort of going in a different direction, but like, talk to me about like, where did the recipe come from? Did it, was it a family recipe? Is it something you came up with over time? Like, talk to me about where it was originally and like growing up, maybe going to college or in high school or whatever. And, in the, were you using it then? Like, sort of tell me where did this come out of? Oh, um, so, so yeah, as I mentioned, you know, it was a, it was a drink, a favorite drink of our, of ours, of mine. Um, and quite honestly, because of, you know, you hang out with friends and party and all that kind of stuff. And then the next morning you're, you're struggling a little bit, right? So we would make, um, I had two, uh, I have two best friends that we would, um, we would get together, hang out all the time. And then the next, you know, the next morning or whatever, we would have to figure out a way to cure our hangover. So micheladas, again, we knew, we knew of them. Um, but, and then everyone always had like their little versions of them. <clears throat> so when it came time for the restaurant and I was like, all right, you know, in regards to the restaurant, I'm like, we can do whatever. I was pretty open on the ideas of different, different genres, ethnicity, whatever. But obviously Mexican was always our, our number one priority or our number one thought, but we were open. My friend and I were open to different um, ideas. And all I said was, I don't, I don't really care necessarily what we do as long as we have micheladas on the menu, because in our, small little town we could go to any little local bar or whatever and nobody served micheladas they served bloody marys and since we were beer drinkers not vodka drinkers we didn't really we didn't really enjoy that right so um for me i was like as long as we have micheladas i'm fine with whatever restaurant concept we decide we want to go into um, Mexican obviously is preferred, but whatever the case may be. And so sure enough. So when it came time for that, like, it's like, okay, now we have all these different varieties of recipes that we know of. 
let's figure out one that's going to be consistent. So um, the 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 how do I call this? The initial recipe came came about. We were at my house. It was my two friends and myself, and we had our own recipes and ones that we found. Um, you know, like talking to friends or whatever, different, just different tweaks here and there. So we had about eight different beers lined up with eight different recipes. Because A, we knew which ones we liked, but it's also we have to try to find one that's going to be good for the masses. So we had about eight of them. And I still remember this. It was Bears opening. It was Bears uh, season opener. Um, when we were going through the whole uh, taste testing. So we, we had eight beers lined up, and then we were just drinking them and seeing, like, okay, what did we like, what don't we like of it, things like that, and then wrote down a recipe that we thought would be a nice mix of, of, of them. <clears throat> so we took the recipe, went, I took that to, to the restaurant, and we made it. And what we started to find was some of the ingredients when we made them would only stay, it would only keep the beverage good because we would have to make it in bulk. So initially at the restaurant, we were making them one by one. So as someone ordered it, we would make it. And then what we found was like, okay, well, we need to be able to figure out a way to make this in bulk because it's just taking too much time to make this Michelada mix each time someone orders it because you have to make the mix, you combine all the ingredients and then have to prep the glass and then put everything together and then, you know, then take it out to the customer. So that was just taking way too much time. So then we, you know, we combined all the ingredients together and then the product wouldn't stay fresh long enough. So like if we made a batch you know, it would only stay good for the weekend. And then by Monday, Tuesday of the following week, we'd have to throw it away and make a new batch. So I had to then figure out a way to make it in bulk and so that it wouldn't go bad. So we took all the ingredients and then figured out, okay, like, okay, this, this, this ingredient can be kept at room temperature. This is, you know, spices. This is, this is this, this is that. What is the ingredient or what is what are the ingredients that are hurting us so that it's preventing us from making this in bulk and keeping it longer? Yeah, giving so you that shelf back. life you need to, yeah. to actually to hold on to your product to, to be able to sell it as well. Correct. So when that when when so that was my job. So once I figured out what that was and and how to replace it. I was like, boom, I made, I made a couple and we kept one and left it and just let it sit and see how long it would stay. And what we found was, I mean, even after a month, as long as it was sealed, it was good. So I was like, Oh man, we got something. So now we would make like, we would make like five or six containers of it and we knew it would it wouldn't spoil so that's where that came from that's where the idea and 
And at the time, like everyone knew it was, it was essentially my recipe. So I would be the one to make it. So like anytime we were running low or whatever, I would go and just make a bunch of it so that it's all ready to go. So then all, essentially all you have to do with the product, like when you think about a Bloody Mary, like you think about the Worcestershire sauce, the vodka, the, the tomato juice, this and that or whatever, um, all of that, you don't have to do that with my mix. All with my mix, really, if you wanted to, all you have to do is pour four ounces into a glass of the mix, a 12 ounce beer, and that's it. All the flavors, all the all the different spices are already combined together, where it's just it's the convenience factor, right? So then, it, our our ultimate goal was just to make it as easy and quick and as possible for people to enjoy. So I mean, you have different. You have like four different spices, or four different spice blends, I should say. That uh, probably the way to call it. How did you come up with them? Um, how'd you come up with the idea to then vary into it like you talked about and then sort of what are they obviously and and what do they all serve the same purpose are they all for the drink or are you sort of expanding outside of the beverages into food as well just help me understand that a little bit sure yeah no so the spices i mean quite honestly it's it, it's not nothing to it's nothing too crazy. It's just obviously the the levels of which you put the spices in and make it make it your own, right? Um, so really, you know, the tomato juice with um, with a little bit of like the clamato style. Which, if you're not familiar with clamato, it's tomato juice with a little bit of uh, like a clam powder. So it's used to kind of help give it. Uh, a, a different flavor, but not enough to where it's, it's, I don't want to say, cause I know some people have like shellfish allergies, not enough to, at least from my experience and from selling it and telling people whatever, I've never had anybody come to me and say that they had any kind of allergic reaction because it's a small amount, but it's just enough to give it a different bit of a flavor other than just the regular like tomato juice or like a V8 type of thing. Um, then you have the regular spices that go into it. Um, salt, you have some, um, hot, um, some hot sauce that goes into it. You have some, you know, some of that Mexican salt, the spicy tangy salt, like tahin. It's a tahin style salt that goes into it. So it's just a lot of tangy flavors that blend in together. And then once you mix the, we have flavors. So then you have like, uh, a puree that we use for the spicy mango. We have one that we use for cucumber um, and then a tamarind, which is actually pretty popular as well. This is very cool. So you you put this all together. Now, how do you find the packaging? How do you come up with the labels? How do you come up with the logo? Sort of let's dive into that because you have a really cool logo. I think your packaging and your branding is spot on and your um, – and the packaging that you use, the the bottles that you're using, is just spot on for what you're trying to do, and in the market that you're you're trying to go after, particularly in America, and so or in the United States, excuse me. So tell me a little bit about how did you source all of it? Because 
I mean, while you're in the restaurant, you don't necessarily you weren't necessarily in the consumer packaged good industry. Those are two separate things. Even though we can classify it as all as food, many people don't understand being in a restaurant is different than actually producing something for like a grocery store or actually to sell packaged into a restaurant. So talk to me a little bit about how'd you you know how'd you go about all this because I you know I don't think that your restaurant background helped you. Uh, with that, you necessarily sort of had to blaze a new trail, for lack of a better Correct. term. Oh, yeah. No, the restaurant business just gave me that just that thought of the consumer side of things. But the packaging, honestly, um, once once you know, once I finished my master's, I was like, all right, we're going to do this. It was, you know, it's myself and my wife. Um, but it was like, OK, now let's go. Let's figure out what do we need to do? So what do you do? Like, honestly, like you look at other you know other varieties other other even if you want to call them competitors right you look at their label you say okay what do they have okay what what's the popular size that we feel is going to work um so it's a lot of trial and error and reaching out it was a lot of just research research and figuring out who can i go to uh you know when it comes to individually packing am i gonna co-pack am i gonna use a commercial kitchen, um, all the different licenses and insurances that you need. But first things first, though, I mean, honestly, it was getting yourself registered, right? So like getting ourselves an LLC. That opens up so many more doors because now you have those numbers that you need to uh, a viable business. Um, and then with that, it's finding a label maker, finding a company that can do the labels and, you know, um, uh, the right label for your product because obviously they're going to get wet. So you need to have a label that's water resistant. Um, and then you have to try to find like, who's going to give you the best prices because you're a small company. Like you're going to get hit with some bigger fees because your quantities aren't as large. So you have to try to find the best one for the best price. Um, and then it's just really like, okay, how do I get the the ingredients? Like write them all out. Like you're doing research, you're finding FDA approved websites or locations that can create your 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 ingredients list. So you know, it, it's just a lot of. It. And then the logo itself was actually done by one of my cousins, who's a graphic design. Um, that was his major in college. And uh, I've reached out to him on other, I've had other entrepreneurship ideas and thoughts, and he's always the one that helps me. So for this project, I, you know, he was the first person I thought of. And he actually, we, we talked through what the vision was for the logo. And I'm like, I just need something that's going to capture the Mexican heritage. And then, um, yeah, so my cousin is the one who came up with, that the skull, the sombrero, the lime, everything on that, it was just freaking awesome. <laughs> the great part about it and the logo, and will you quick tell everyone where they can find you online and on Instagram? Because I want everyone to, uh, if they're listening in, to take a look at this as we're talking about it. Oh, sure. So um, the website, you can find us online as com. So that's E L T R I C H. E-L-A-D-A.com. Awesome. So you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at 
at El Trichelada Mix. We have some cool videos that we recently posted. Um, yeah, and that's how you guys caught my attention. I mean, the videos, um, someone passed you along to me uh, that's up in Chicago um, also, and it was like, uh, I, it's weirdly, it's weird how stuff like that happens in my world. Like, it's always like I find I start looking at it on Instagram, and then, like, the world brings me someone who's like, oh, have you tried this or heard of this? And I never heard of the Mexican Bloody Mary before. I should have, but I just obviously am not paying attention. I've been to Mexico, went to graduate school uh, in one MBA program, and actually with four other universities around the world, including UNC. And one of them was in Gade, out of Mexico, uh, Mexico City, and um, as well as northern Mexico. And... So, I mean, I have a taste for it. I went to school, like, um, where I went to high school, it was a very diverse group of kids in D.C., and we had a lot of exchange students come in from Mexico as well. So I, the, what you're doing, the whole brand, everything, I think is incredible. So one of the other things that I see you're actually working on is an actual Bloody Mary mix. Is that true? Because I see it online. Yeah. And yeah. I see it in the bottle. And so it's also in addition to the, the spices, correct? Correct. So it's it's a little bit of both. So because just how you're saying, you, you hadn't really heard of a michelada, things like that. So my conversations always start, um, well, what's a michelada? It's a Mexican Bloody Mary. So that that's the easiest way for people to understand, oh, okay. But I'm like, so it's always the Mexican Bloody Mary. It's just instead of vodka, it's beer. But it can be used in multiple different things or whatever. So that, so for me, I, I, I was trying to figure out like, okay, let me get a catchphrase that can be utilized that people can understand. If they don't know when they see the name at Trichelada or a Michelada, they're like, what the heck? At least they can see a Mexican Bloody Mary. Like, oh, okay. At least I get what a Bloody Mary is. So, okay, cool. But with that, us also, we are working on uh, a Bloody Mary version, which essentially is going to be very similar to the flavor, um, just maybe not as spicy. And quite honestly, the biggest difference between a standard Bloody Mary and a Michelada, the mix of it, is really that Clamato juice. Because on a Bloody Mary, it's straight tomato juice. Whereas in a Michelada has that Clamato base. So it has a little bit of the Clamato powder or the clam powder into the mix. So that's really, so for people that have like a shell allergy, like that could, would definitely be the route you would go would be the Bloody Mary version of our mix. Yeah. So I'm picking up on this now. This is really cool. So it's like uh, everything comes in you're just it's it's simple you don't even have to mix the juice you don't even have to mix the spices nope. you guys are selling it all in the bottle all ready to be mixed in with your beer or your vodka or whatever it is that you want to mix it in i guess some people might mix it with gin i don't know but i can yeah. see that happening um you know seltzer water etc because i think that that's popular so like you're basically making it so they don't even have to think about it they're just pouring it in like a bloody mary mix uh, for lack Correct. of a better term. Yep. And There's I really like else. this. They don't, Go ahead. they don't need to do anything else. Yeah. And um, one of the things that you mentioned, and I will say this, like I've looked at like, you know, 
some of these spices that are going in there and stuff like that there's a lot of anti-inflammatory properly properties which is probably why it's good for a hangover because alcohol in the day after tends to inflame everything that's why you get the headaches and the blood flow and all of that stuff it, you get very inflamed particularly off mm-hmm. of beer because of the gluten and so like there's a lot of properties in there that that do that i just want to anchor that for the audience um okay how do you go to market now like how i mean are you knocking on doors are you going to restaurants are you going to food marts like I mean, are you starting off with Mexican uh, or Spanish-related, uh, for lack of a better term, Latin American um, shops and restaurants um, and stores? Like, how do you bring this to market, or is it just like let's go uh, and introduce this to the American palate right away? Yeah, I kind of took that second route. So we've been in business since 2019, but so uh, towards the end of 2019. And obviously, we all know what happened in 2020. Um, so we were starting off strong um, back, it, like, you know, February, March. We were starting to get everything new. Like, you know, obviously, you have the initial concept. You know, we went through a couple of different logo changes. And again, that's when I went to my cousin and he designed that kick butt logo that you guys, that everybody sees. Um, but so we were starting, you know, with my connections of being in the restaurant business, I still have a lot of friends that were that are in the restaurant business. And um, I brought it up to them saying, hey, I got this Michelada mix. If you guys are interested, let's let's talk, things like that. Um, so my goal was because I knew the product is more of a, a premium taste and a premium blend. I knew that selling it in mass would be tough because of the price point. And I don't want to be competing with like the Zing Zang where they're natural, natural, national. And um, the price points aren't going to be the same because obviously they're a major distributor versus myself who's making them in small batches. So for me, it's like, okay, well, then where do I want to focus on? So I actually did something a little bit different where I was like, you know what? Breweries that don't, a lot of breweries only sell beer. They don't sell mixed drinks. They don't sell anything like that. And they, they would benefit on having a mix that they could use. Cause obviously Michelada mix is designed for beer. So I started actually in my local breweries around the area and asking if they would be interested, things like that. I had some pop-up events, and now, I mean, I have a few. Um, I have a few accounts here locally that carry the mix, and will use that as their Bloody Mary Sundays, things like that. Even now, even if they do have the Bloody Mary, you know, the liquor license besides beer, they still will serve the Michelada mix. So that was where my target was initially. Um, and again, more so again, because of the product I felt is more of a premium product. I didn't want to necessarily go into all the different liquor stores. I went to some some higher end, not higher end ones, but just some more popular ones. Um, but you kind of run into a roadblock because of the the amount that they require. You know, then you start getting into those large quantities and things like that. So what I was trying to do was hit the breweries and then hit the online sales. 
So at least this way I can, I can generate some, some buzz at the local breweries and also to online. So to direct to consumer. I love this. Um, talk to me about, you know, cause I, I think that, a you know, the typical person would have taken this and gone right after the Latin market because that's obvious. But I, I love that you went to establish and build your own market per se, uh, or lack for lack of a better term. And like, even as I'm looking at this, I'm like, this is a great idea. Okay. Because the Bloody Mary, like in all honesty, doesn't have any competition. Okay. Maybe it's a mimosa, who knows, but it's not in the same wavelength or the same, the silo, excuse me. And so this is really cool. So talk to me about like traction, um, how, I mean, obviously you're starting to gain some now. I feel like if I'm hearing about it and the popularity that I'm starting to see on social media. So talk to me a little bit about like, where do you go from here? How do you grow this business? I mean, are you going into, you know, co-packing kitchens and, and how do you see this, this happening as you're, you're starting to gain momentum and how do you get it outside of Chicago? Right. So, I mean, the good thing about us having our, our website is that I'll ship it wherever. So I've shipped orders to California, to Florida, Colorado, uh, up by New Jersey. I mean, I've, I've shipped all over the United States. Um, and what you see is I, I have pivoted a little bit in the sense of I focus now on the eight ounce bottles because they're cheaper to ship and it's easier for people to try. Because normally I had 32 ounce bottles, like the big bottles, but that is someone, someone has to make a commitment to know like, this is what they want. This is what they like. And then, you know, cause once you open the bottle, then the shelf life, you know, we recommend about a month once it's open to drink it through. Not saying that it won't last a lot longer than that. Cause it will, but just for health purposes, we say a month once you open it. Um, but the problem was we weren't getting the, 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 the sales that we wanted on the 32 ounce bottles, because again, now you're making that commitment to drink 32 ounces of a Michelada mix where when we decided to pivot a little bit and focus on eight ounces, now all you're really you're going after is two beers because an eight ounce bottle should get you two beers or two drinks. And with people wanting to try different flavors, now what we do is we sell a variety pack. So you can buy one of each. You can buy one if you want all four of the same ones. You can buy two and two, whatever the case may be. That's We're trying to make it as easy as possible to, for the consumer, for them to want to at least give it a shot and try it. Um, so for us, um, so now we're, we're focusing a lot more on the social media platform. So like Instagram, uh, Facebook. Um, I'm, I'm going to start, I haven't, I haven't gotten into TikTok, but I know that's going to be, I know that's a huge platform, um, that we're going to dive into as well. So what we really want to do is just kind of go off of what is popular now, right? How are people selling their products? How are people pushing products? And it's all online, all on social media. So that's really what I want to focus on. Um, I still have my accounts, that carry like the breweries that carry my product and not to say that I won't still focus on that and try to get that to grow. But I also see it as I have to understand that in the Midwest, micheladas haven't taken off as 
big as they are on the West Coast and Southwest and the South. So if I can focus nationally and figure out a way to obviously continue to promote on social media to get to get the word out throughout the United States and more more importantly, the areas that do love micheladas a lot, like that the ad that you probably saw, you know, our analytics showed us that the majority of the views and, and were from California. So that to me tells me, you know, the West Coast, they they love micheladas. So, you know, we I obviously I want to push and continue to push here in the Chicagoland area, but I also have to know and understand that our biggest market to date is going to be in those areas. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, over the last decade, I've spent a lot of time in uh, Colorado. I've spent about two years in Georgia and I'm spending a lot of time in like the Lehigh Valley, Allentown area and New York City area right now because of the podcast and because of Foodtopia, which is a TV show we're working on and trying to get off the ground um, about food entrepreneurs all over the world and cities all over the world over 18 seasons. So kind of a cool concept in 12 years. We're going to try to do 18 seasons nice. um, and tell the story of the world through um, between 16 and 20 episodes a season. So it's pretty cool. Um, trying to get that off the ground and see where it goes. Um, and I'm learning out of a fire hose. You know, cameras are not my thing. That's why I do an audio podcast, but learning rapidly for sure. Um, but one of the things that I that I do notice is there is like these populations uh, and areas. Um, some of it's because of the Latin influence or Latin American influence. But like particularly like in Allentown, because there's such a high uh, Latin population, you have a lot of acceptance by non-Latin Americans, um, for lack of a better term, to these type of foods, to these type of meals, to these type of drinks and spices and things like that. And in Colorado, it's just, I don't know, like it just Colorado's always had that influence so much. I mean, green chili is a big deal there, um, for example and smother it in with everything everyone smothers it so there's this acceptance i feel like of this of what you're doing and now it's just a matter of you're right you know picking those markets targeting the markets that um that that are somewhat already gaining a palate for it and then can you know upgrade it because i do like this i do like it as an alternative to a bloody mary and i liked bloody marys i know i'll even have one without the vodka in it here and there just because i like the flavor of them i like when they're spicy the tabasco style so i'm definitely going to try these for sure so i mean it's just incredible Great. so do you do a lot of sampling like do you go to shows do you go set up booths in chicago i mean talk do you do pop-ups like how do you get this how do you get people to actually taste it yeah doing so stuff? yeah no definitely and yeah you know, the breweries are really a huge, you know, they help me out a lot because I do pop up. So what I'll do is whenever we have a, you know, an account, a new account, I'll usually set up a pop up where I'll go there and we will set up, give you, give you a little sample of the different flavors and then say, hey, if you want to buy, they have them here. If you want to buy a michelada, you can. A lot of the breweries will either sell them already mixed together, like a, a you know, like a Bloody Mary drink, or they will actually, since they're already packaged in the eight ounce package, they'll actually sell the bottles themselves. 
So the, the, the breweries have their choice and, you know, however they want to market and however they want to generate extra income, they can either sell the bottle, the eight ounce bottle, or we'll make it, make a drink for them if people are going to be hanging out there or whatnot. So, but yeah, no, that's what we do is we usually will, um, do little pop-ups at the breweries where they can taste test it. Um, or, you know, I will, I have no problem when I meet people and they want to, they want to sample because they're eight ounce bottles. They're not as difficult to send a sample out to somebody for them to try. And usually once they try it, then that's, they'll almost always buy. So that's kind of how we work right now. I love it. Can you tell us again where they can find you guys online? Yeah, definitely. So we on our, we can you can go to our website, which is eltrichelada.com. Again, E-L-T-R-I-C-H-E-L-A-D-A.com. Um, you can also, we're actually on Etsy as well. So I actually have, um, you can find us on Etsy. I just thought about that. I forgot. Um, and then we're also still on social media where you can find us. You can DM me and we can, you know, we can work on an order or whatnot um, at El Trichelada Mix for both Instagram and Facebook. And then also we're going to be working on TikTok. Very, very cool. Um, Guillermo, I'm going to reach out to you after this episode and send you dates again because I want to do a part two. I have about eight questions I've written down uh, from the past to the present that I would love to just do another episode with you if that's cool for the audience since we're running out of time today. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate your time. You really um, educated me and opened my eyes. You know, one of the things about food is everyone thinks if you're in food, you know everything, but there's such diversity. There's so many plants, so many spices, so many cultures, so many, you know, subcultures uh, within food alone um, that it's kind of crazy. So this was a huge eye-opener for me I, I feel like and I really respect what you're doing and like I said I feel like I've known you for 20 years it's really weird because I'm like I totally understand your trajectory I totally understand your curiosity and almost becoming a well-rounded human um, in many different ways having talents beyond just food beyond just sports beyond just restaurants you know and it's it i feel like you're constantly growing yourself and you're seeking growth even though it's uncomfortable obviously oh yeah so um i love that so guillermo thank you again um is there anything you want to say to the audience or tell anyone in the audience before we get off yeah no most definitely again i appreciate you uh reaching out and definitely this is something that i've wanted to get into as well as like you know telling my story telling stories because Honestly, you know, it's been a struggle for me. Like, you know, once, you know, like you said, if you want to do another follow up, we can definitely do that because my story itself is 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 different also. So it, it was a struggle for me to get to where I am now and understanding what I wanted to do in life. So to find a passion, to find this entrepreneurship, whether it's this, that or whatever, you ha- it's all trial and error. Right. But if you don't try something you'll never know you know what you could do right so i i feel like if i could help you know especially with the hispanic culture and you know because i feel like sometimes we are kind of we're thought of as secondhand right like oh no we can't i could never do something like that i could never do something like that and i i want to be a voice of those people as well to be like no yes you can 
you know, it takes, it, it takes, it's trial and error and it's take, it takes getting dirty and it takes making mistakes because you don't, if you don't make mistakes, you'll never know, you know, what you're doing correct or how to figure things out and make things right. So in order to grow, you need to make mistakes. So that's kind of like the message I want to leave with everybody is like, you know, try it. You know, there is no dumb ideas. There's always give it a shot, you know, figure out what, what works, what doesn't. From those ideas will come something else. So from the restaurant that I guess if you want to say failed, okay, we, we closed it down. But from that restaurant came pivoted uh, a beverage mix that now could hopefully one day, you know, be throughout the, the United States. So that's kind of what my message would be. Absolutely. I can't wait to have you back on because I do want to hear your story. I want to hear your parents' story more in detail. I want to get dive deeper into your products. Um, I'm going to order some, you know, here in the next day or two because I want to be able to try it before we do the next interview also because I'm like, I really, and I like tomato juice. I'm one of those weird kids who drink V8 all the time because I wouldn't <laughs> wanted the vitamins, you know, it's still to this day, oh, I'm yeah. like a health nut. I'm like, give me the vitamins, you know, give me diversity and vitamins and nutrients and <laughs> You know, there's a lot of, like I said, uh, anti-inflammatory properties in what you're doing in the mixture that you have, the tomatoes, the the um, the spices and stuff like that. So I'm really interested in diving more into this. And, you know, I'm very excited for you. And I really believe in you and what you're doing. And I just want to leave that with you also, Guillermo. I think you're really on to something. And it's really impressive what you're doing and you're inspiring the masses. I agree with you. I think you're, if we continue to tell your story, we'll be able to help a lot of people out there who are struggling or trying to figure it out or get scared after one failure or one mistake and don't know how to keep going. So we're going to yep. dive into that. Um, thank you everyone in the audience for listening in. You can find us again at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs on Instagram, and you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you guys grow yourself through podcasts. Uh, again, thank you, Guillermo, and we are out.